All right, welcome in. It is week six of the pregame.com Dream Preview College Football Edition. I'm AJ Hoffman. Joining me is ESPN College Football Analyst Taylor McCard. Taylor, how you doing, man? Good, good. Happy, uh, happy Wednesday. Uh, yeah, it, listen, I knew it would be a happier Wednesday for me than you because I've taken a lead. I've, I'm All running away right. with this thing now. Okay. Do we want to go over last week's results? Where I was? Yeah, thinking? but before we get into this, I think the over/unders should count if we're going to give them out. Because if they do count, then I'm 500. I think they should week. count. I think they should count, but they they only count as one. That's fine. McK- McKenzie's informed me that people don't like totals. He said, "Like I," he said, "What's your favorite play?" I said, "A total." He said, "Oh, boo, totals." He's out on it. So we'll we'll continue with the three, two, one. And then the totals will count as a one also. I'll take that. So I, I listen, I don't like to brag. I I had I, I won my three, I won my two, I won my one. I, it was a sweep for me last week. I so I Well you I had a know. big weekend outside of, of our stuff. Everything I saw on Twitter, it looked like you won. Yeah, I had a pretty good I had a pretty good uh college football day, eleven and four on Saturday were my results and I'll take that every time. One of the ones I missed too was I had Texas team total over and them going for the touchdown there at the end kind of cost me that. I mean, I guess if they would have, if they would have got it, I would have won, but they would have kicked, if they would have kicked the field goal, I would have won also. So for my personal, you know, preference, I would have had, I would have kicked the field goal there, but that's just me. Uh, But yeah, and there, one of the ones that I that I missed on too was Army. I, that was a disappointing showing for for them. Uh, I, I think that they just came out flat, and by the time they really started kicking, it was too late, too deep of a hole for a team like that to dig out of. So uh, I did have maybe my worst bet of the year. Uh, I, and I didn't, I didn't. We talked about it on the pod, but it wasn't one of my three plays. But I did say I might take Maryland on the money line. Oh. Uh, against Iowa and I did do that and it was a really really big mistake seven turnovers later uh I I lost that game so well, you had company there because a, a lot of people <laughs> had money <laughs> a lot of people had Maryland on the money line in that game well a lot a lot of losers that's what uh Vegas is trying losers. to create and that's what we're trying to avoid that's the big goal right all right, before we get into the games for this week I wanted to go over some stuff and one of them we touched on it a little bit last week the Heisman uh, odds and Matt Corral, who was the favorite last week at plus 175, no longer the favorite. Not much of a surprise to me. Uh, I, I said if, if he lost that game, he that would be the end of those uh, those odds. Uh, Bryce Young went from second favorite at two to one to now plus 120. Matt Corral only dropped to second, though, plus 230. And then you get to 14 to one for Desmond Ritter the next guy on the list, which it seems like a, a big jump. Uh, Spencer Rattler still hanging around 20 to one CJ Stroud at 20 to one Trayvon Henderson and Bijan Robinson at 30 to one. And then JT Daniels, Kenneth Walker, uh, Brian Robinson, Jr. And Kenny Pickett at 40 to one Sean Clifford, 50 to one. We'll, we'll say everybody else is basically a long shot, including a couple guys who were, preseason darlings in uh, North Carolina, Sam Howell and DJ DJU, as I like to call them. Both of them opened the season at 10 to one. Both of them now, uh, well, 65 to one for Sam Howell and 150 to one 
for DJ. So they're basically out of it altogether. Are you surprised that Matt Corral only only dropped 60 cents after uh, Alabama put the put the hurt on Ole Miss? I am a little bit. I would have expected him to the odds to, you know, be a little bit worse than that. But, you know, I think this is more a function of the guys behind him. It's so unlikely that they were to jump back in the race. I think it's more that than anything that happened on the field against Alabama. I think the other thing, and this is what I said last week, my fear for the Heisman this year is that Bryce Young continues to play well in that Alabama offense. Alabama runs the table, wins the SEC championship, and he wins the Heisman by being the best player or being the quarterback of the best team. So that's what the the odds say right now. There's still quite a bit of football left, but between Georgia and Alabama, I know we're going to get into this in a little bit also, but it looks like there's a clear one and two and then everybody else. I do like, I, I think if you had, if I had to pick two, I really think there's there's value in Desmond Ritter at plus 1,200 because they have a chance to run the table. And we'll talk about their schedule in a little bit. They've, they've got a couple opportunities for bigger games towards the end of the season. And then obviously they'll have their conference championship if they, if they win out. There's a chance, you know, if you have the first group of five teams somehow sneak into this thing, and it looks like they're going to get in the top four. I think there's a really good chance he could he sneaks up and his odds improve significantly from where they're at now. And then the other one that we touched on last week that I feel even more convicted by after watching him against TCU is cool. Bijan Robinson. Because if they win this week and they beat Oklahoma, now all of a sudden you're talking about is this Texas team a dark horse team to can they run the table, get through the Big 12 schedule? and potentially be a playoff team. And if it's on the back of Bijan Robinson, then that's the type of performance that wins you the Heisman, not just, well, there was the best player on the best team. I agree with you on Bijan. I think that he is certainly, I, I think he's certainly worth looking at. That performance he had last week was crazy. He jumped from 50 to one to 30 to one just with that game. And like you said, if he goes out and beats Oklahoma and, and they stay I mean, Steve Sarkeesian's committed to running the football, which right. is, is obvious. And I, I think the reason why Thompson is playing quarterback is because he wants to stay committed to running the football, and he thinks that's what's going to work for him. I think that's what's going to work for him, if anything. Uh, I, I'd love to see Texas play Arkansas again w- with the quarterback that they've got now. I think it might I, – I don't, I don't know. Be, I mean, that was a blowout game, so it's hard to say, but I think it's a different story. I think the two guys, though, that, that make some sense to me, I, I think C.J. Stroud jumping back into this conversation, he missed a game and went from 18 to 1 to, to 40 to 1 overnight. And it's like, ah, that doesn't, it didn't really jive with me. He had been 10 to 1 before the Oregon game. 18 to 1 kind of made some sense. He misses a game that they didn't need him for. And now he's, he, he's 40 to 1. And then he goes out and throws five touchdowns last week, and suddenly he's 20 to 1 again which that that seems like a, a pretty good spot for him. I think kind of a long shot here might be Kenny Pickett, uh, the pit quarterback who could have been in the NFL and came back and, and said he wanted to uh, wanted to play one more year and make something big happen. And things have fallen the way they have in the ACC. Pittsburgh, I mean, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, I don't know who the best team in the ACC is, but I certainly know it's open and it's not Clemson. So if Kenny Pickett continues to put up the numbers that he's putting up 
And right now they are cartoonish. He's a 72% passer, 19 touchdowns, one interception. He's going to get some looks. And if they, if they win the ACC and he puts up those kind of numbers, I think 40 to one, you may have yourself a good long shot there. Yeah. I, I think Pitt's got some losses still on their schedule. I don't think their defense is very good. I think he and Bijan are your, those are the best players that we've talked about. And, and of everybody you listed off, those are the guys that you're going to see go off the board really high in April at the draft. Um, I think a lot of this is going to come down to, again, who has a moment late in the year. It, it happens this way every year. Who has a moment in November with a playoff contender that wows you and says, we haven't seen anything like that all year, or this guy is the reason this team is in this position. And it could be Kenny Pickett. I mean, if they if they really take off in the ACC and put them in a position to be in the ACC championship and it's clear it's on his shoulders, I don't, I don't disagree with you. But I'm going to stand firm on – I think if you made me pick right now, I think it's Bryce Young, and I think it's because they don't lose and he continues to play well. I still think Bryce – I mean, I thought at the beginning of the season Bryce Young was probably going to win it because I assumed Alabama would be the best or one of the two or three best teams, and, and he was a brand-name quarterback. And But with that, I, I you could have also made a case for uh, DJU if, you, if that was kind of your, your thinking there. But it's pretty clear now, and, and I guess we can jump straight into that, it's pretty clear that there are two teams and then there's everybody else. And I, I think there's a real discussion to be had over who's better between Alabama and Georgia at this point. Uh, the, the consensus odds have Alabama plus 160, Georgia plus 175. But there are books, including books here in Las Vegas, that have Georgia as the favorite now to win the national championship. What are your thoughts, I, I guess, on those two? And then, you know, kind of bigger picture – who who are the other two teams? And really, does it matter who the other two teams are? Is it just a foregone conclusion that Alabama and Georgia that that's your national championship game? Well, I don't I don't think it's a foregone conclusion because we've seen this before. We've seen dominant teams that just have something happen in the back half of the year, especially playing out of the SEC West. Now, Alabama historically, they don't slip up with the exception of a couple of years ago when they had two losses, one of which in the SEC championship, we just don't see that very often. But there is always the chance that you lose to Auburn in the Iron Bowl. I don't think they lose to this Auburn team this year, but I'm not ready to, to say, okay, it's going to be Alabama, Georgia, although the odds, like you mentioned, are certainly in their favor. I think if we assume, just for sake of the argument, if we just assume that you have one, two, Alabama, Georgia, We'll get into this game in a minute. If Iowa wins this week, go look at the Iowa schedule for the rest of the year out yeah, of the Big Ten West. The I don't Big think West they is wide open. I don't think they lose. Yeah, I mean they've got some teams coming to their place, and then their their road schedule is not very difficult at all. They got to go to Wisconsin, which you would traditionally say is a tough place to play. I don't uh, this year. I don't. I don't think as much, obviously, but. I like Iowa if they can win this week. Now they got they're going to have to go through likely Ohio State in the in the Big Ten championship, but that team to me, if they can get through this week, there's a real chance just by nature. They're the back half of their schedule. It could be Iowa. Now if it's not Iowa, I think it's a if it's a one loss Big Ten champion, and that that being Ohio State, I think they probably get in. 
the concern I have for the for the four spot, and I don't know where you stand on this, AJ. You may have either Cincinnati undefeated, BYU undefeated, and then in all likelihood a one loss Big Twelve champion and a one loss Pac twelve champion. One of those teams going into the four spot and we're sitting here in week six. I honestly, I don't know who you're telling me one loss Texas, if they were to run the schedule or do you, do you put Cincinnati in over them? Probably. No. It, oh, I, I put Texas in over a one loss or over an undefeated. Cincinnati. Do you? Yeah. Listen, Cincinnati, it, it like the, this, their whole season is wrapped around this. They've got these two big games against Indiana and Notre Dame. Well, yeah, their only out, their only big game left is is SMU if they can stay relevant. Yeah, who's ranked right Cent- now. Central Florida that was supposed to be a game. Central Florida lost their quarterback. Lost, they stink. And now they and they lost to Navy last week. So yeah, that, they, that win means nothing. They're terrible. I got news for you. Indiana sucks. Yeah, that's not a good team. Uh, I, I I've got news for you again. I don't think Notre Dame's very good. I think Notre Dame's got more losses coming. Like. That's Cincinnati's big hope is that Notre Dame runs the table, and I don't, I don't see that happening. I'm with you. I think since I think SMU is, is probably the best game left, but to play that schedule versus you talk about if you're talking about a, a one loss Texas team or a one loss Oklahoma team, that would mean that Oklahoma or Texas had to beat the other one, uh, and in some like in Texas's case, it would probably have to be twice. Be twice. I mean, that's that's a better win than anything Cincinnati can do. And they'd also have a win over Oklahoma State, presumably. I mean, uh, over Iowa State. There's just – Cincinnati, this this doesn't feel like the year unless a bunch of other teams just have disaster happen. And I know right now they're ranked fifth and the AP rankings are cute and all. But when it comes time to actually start deciding who's going to be in this, in this playoff, I, I don't see them doing it. And I'll say this. And it leads into another conversation I wanted to have with you. I think you can make a better case for BYU than you can for Cincinnati. And I know, you know, we all look at, at Cincinnati as like the, the, I mean, the AAC is the, the next best conference outside the power five. BYU is going to play Arizona, Utah, Arizona State, which, by the way, looks like a really good win now that went over Arizona State. Uh, they will have played Baylor, Washington State, Virginia, and USC. So we're talking about a team playing seven Power Five teams. If they're undefeated, you have to put them in before you start thinking about Cincinnati, right? And that would include a win at USC, a win against Arizona State. Those are good quality wins. And I don't understand how BYU would would not – be in line before Cincinnati because Cincinnati was higher in the preseason, I guess. But I, I think when, when you start to look at strength of schedule and stuff, you can make a much better case for BYU. They will have, you're right. They will have basically played half a PAC 12 schedule. The problem is some of these games down the line, Washington state's terrible USC. Who knows if they could I mean, fire their coach mid year. We'll see what, I mean, they just lost lost outright bad to Oregon State at home. I think Virginia is going to be, if they beat them, a good win. I actually think Baylor could end up being a good win by the end of the season. And I agree, the one that they'll hang their hat on, I think most by the end of the year, would be Arizona State. 
the thing that I think is interesting about this discussion is Cincinnati has done everything you could have possibly asked them to do between 2020 and the first part of this season. Their only loss was to Georgia in the bowl game, a New Year's Six Bowl, and they have they scheduled Indiana and Notre Dame, and it, it's just unlucky that both of them, I agree with you, Notre Dame. I, I thought Notre Dame would win outright last week. I don't think Notre Dame's very good. Later in the year, we mentioned SMU, and then they'll have their championship game. But they're already at five. And so I wonder if it were to get to – we're talking about BYU versus Cincinnati. Does the committee just say, look, we don't think really either one of you has a chance against Alabama, and we've already got Cincinnati ranked at five all year? Fine. We'll just, to, just to humor everyone, we'll put in Cincinnati, let you play Alabama, and show everybody why we don't put group of five schools in the final four. I, I could see that happening. I could see – but with this year, like we said, we're, I'm having a hard time even thinking a third or fourth – like. Even Ohio State or, or Penn State or, or Iowa, any of these teams, I have a hard time picturing any of them actually competing against Alabama or Georgia. So if there's a year that they're going to throw an undefeated you know, Cincinnati in, let it be this year. Let them get their heads kicked in. And then the next time that it comes up, just say, look, look at this example. This is what happened. And let's But the the other side of that coin is, is Alabama-Cincinnati a big TV game? Are people watching that? Are casual fans watching that? Because I, I know what I know what they will watch is Alabama, Oregon, Alabama, Texas, Alabama, Ohio State. They'll watch that. I don't know if they're tuning in for Alabama, Cincinnati. I don't know if that's a big TV game. Yeah. In all likelihood, getting back to the original point, I think it's a one loss. If we assume Alabama, Georgia, regardless of what happens, if they, they you know they run the table, they play each other in the SEC championship. One's undefeated, one with a one loss. The three seed being a one loss Big Ten champion. I think your four spot is going to be a one loss Big 12 or one loss Pac-12 champion in all likelihood, especially if that team is Oklahoma or Oregon. I tend to agree. Uh, or Texas. I think it's or one of Texas. Those, if it's one of those brand name teams, I think you're right. Um you know, and I think I would normally say Notre Dame, but because they lost to Cincinnati directly, I think that that pushes them out of the mix. But I'm telling uh, you, I'm telling you right now, Iowa, if they win this game and they keep playing defense like they have in the first half of the schedule, they've got a real chance at running the rest of their their, their regular season schedule. And that defense on a neutral site, especially they can beat Ohio State now. We'll see what happens. They got to figure out a way to get more than 200 pass yards a game, but we'll see. Well, let's. Uh, I, I've got one more sort of macro topic that I wanted to jump on before we get into the games, and I wanted to kind of talk about. I wanted to do a, a check in on job security for a couple coaches around football and see, like one to ten, one being, you know, totally safe, ten being they're about to be fired. See where you're sitting on these guys, and let's start with Miami and Manny Diaz. How, do you, how safe do you think Manny Diaz is right now? I actually think more safe than people. Then maybe he should be. I'd say it's a. What did we say? Ten is you're getting fired. One's you're okay. I'd say a four right now. I think having your quarterback play the way he is right now, he's clearly not healthy. De'Ara King, I, I hoped badly that he would come back and look like who he was prior to the knee injury but 
they've got problems elsewhere also, but they, he was so important to that team. I think if you're Manny Diaz, honestly, that buys you another season, just that alone, because it's clear Derek King's not healthy. Let's go. Let's stay in state there. And th- I, I can't believe I'm even going to say this name, but I will because it doesn't look like progress is happening for Mike Norvell at Florida State. Man, I, they are – the only way normally you see somebody get fired after two seasons, especially when one of them was a COVID year, is when your kids have quit. And that's what it looks like when you watch Florida State. Now, they did get a win over a school that I, I think we're going to talk about here in a second also in Syracuse. But they're watching them on the sidelines – seeing some of their stuff on Twitter. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. They've got former players tweeting at kids. Don't go to school here. Don't play for this dude. That's when you have problems. And that's when, you know, schools will move on even after just two seasons. The reason I think he stays through this year is Florida state right now is we talk about the jokes with Texas being back. Florida state has taken a full two or three steps back from what they were when Jameis was there and Jimbo had them rolling and they won the national championship. I mean, the the recruiting base, there's no fan intrigue. That, that game against Notre Dame, obviously, we, at the time we thought this was actually a pretty good performance. And then now uh, it's clear that neither one of those teams are very yeah. good, especially not Florida State. I don't think ultimately he gets fired. I'd put it at, I'd put him at a five, which so the seat is warm. But I think he makes it through this year, predominantly because I don't think they want to deal with this buyout. And two, I don't know who you bring in after him that's going to fix this in a in a year or two. I think they've got pretty big issues. I I think he makes it through this one, but I would not expect him to be there much longer unless they can get some buy-in from their kids. Let's talk about Syracuse, who Florida State just got a win over. Uh, Dino Babers, who won in 10 a year ago, I mean, they're three and two right now, 0-1-1 in conference. And, and this, I mean, in now his sixth year, 13 and 30 in the ACC. Uh, that, that's not a good number for Syracuse. Yeah. You know, I always thought Dino would be a fun guy to play for. Watching him, how he interacts with his kids, I always liked. Yeah, I've never met the guy. I don't know him personally, but it always looked like a guy that you'd want to play for. But you said the conference slate. I, this is you know, he's three and fifteen in his last eighteen ACC games, and you said sixth year. That is when when you start to regress to that level, and you've been there a while. I think that's when you move on from a guy. I'd put him about as high up there as he's an eight or a nine right now. I don't think this ultimately is a bowl team, and I think they move on from him. Like I said, you get that far in your tenure, you get beyond five years and you're this bad and you have consecutive bad years like this, you can survive a year like this or even a one in 10 season if your class doesn't line up right, if you have a, a quarterback that gets hurt. But, I mean, this just is not a good football team and they haven't been for a few years. Well, I'm going to talk about this in a little bit. There's something going on there, though. Like Taj Harris, who was the team's best offensive right. player coming into the year, the third team all ACC last year, he announced yesterday he's transferring out of the program. Yeah. And he's the fifth player to enter the transfer portal this year. So to me, that says something about there's something going on with that program. Guys don't want to be involved anymore. Like it, it's, it, it feels like what you said, like once guys start to quit on you, 
that's where you're at. And if guys, your best players are walking away, that can't be a good sign. Yeah, I, I think he's probably out after this year. Uh, Ed Orgeron, there's a name we wouldn't expect to be saying, but I mean, won a national championship two years ago. But you gotta you gotta keep in mind, expectations are higher at LSU than they are most places in the country. And it doesn't. It's not that they're you know, it's not. That, I mean, they're slightly above five hundred since the championship in, in SEC play, but. That's not the expectation, and it does seem like maybe he's in over his head, and he may have just been a guy who had the right staff and had the right group of players and really the right quarterback, uh, and it made some magic happen, and maybe he's just not that good of a coach. What are your thoughts on on Ed O's job safety? You know, I keep hearing him compared to Gene Chizik, flashing the pan and timed it upright with, you said it, the right quarterback at the right time. And not just the quarterback. I mean, look how many guys that that national championship team yeah, yeah. had drafted. So he was doing something right. I think he's probably gone because that is not a fan base that will tolerate anything around 500. And they that that Auburn loss is they can't lose that game. Eight o'clock at night in Death Valley. I don't care who it is outside of Alabama or Georgia this year. They can't lose that game. The UCLA loss is starting to look worse and worse. And now, I'm going to go through their next five games. Every one of these teams is ranked. On the road at Kentucky. They're, they get, they're an underdog against Kentucky. Right. They got Florida at home, at Ole Miss, at Bama, Arkansas at home. I, there is a chance they lose every one of those. Yeah. I mean, there's a, I mean that's not completely unrealistic. They'll they likely be bowling. an underdog in every one of those. They could have a, a stretch of conference play that they're 0-6. I think 1-5 or 2-4 and 4 is realistic i think that's probably likely that they're at best two and four through that stretch of games so i think he's probably gone and i think this will be we'll look back in history at exactly what we said this team they just got it right and it was magic that season and kudos to him everybody loves edo and he'll be just fine he's gonna he'll probably go be a d-line coach again somewhere else but i don't think he makes it through this season well, let's jump into the uh, – oh, you know what? Before we jump into the games, let me ask you about Jimbo Fisher. What, what happens if this season just tailspins on Jimbo? I, I know that his, like, his entire contract is guaranteed. There's no buyout. I, so I don't know that he'll get fired this year but unless it just went totally awry. But is that really out of the question right now, that it just completely falls apart? I, I, there's no way they make a decision this year. There, there's too much money sunk into him and – I'll say also, going back to your quarterback being hurt, there, there's been a significant step down. And it's not like Haynes King was playing great, but Zach Calzada looks completely out of his element. I mean, he looks really overwhelmed. And receiver play, that's the part of their offense that I'm, I'm surprised most by. The offensive line, they had to fill some holes that I actually don't think the O-line is playing that bad. But their receiver play, when you watch AM, there's no separation. There's nobody that looks explosive. They just look like a bunch of average three-star guys, and that's been the most disappointing. Mix that in with, a, with your backup quarterback. They've got problems, but I think but based on the, the guaranteed money alone, Jimbo's got a couple years at a minimum, I think, to get this figured out, barring some sort of just complete disaster next year. But this year, for the most part, 
I don't really think as long as you know they're going to be around 500, probably maybe seven and five by the end of the season is is, is I think most likely, and I, I don't think anything happens this year. Really, even next year, also just because again how much money they have sunk into them. They may get really really embarrassed this weekend against Alabama. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, do you remember at the touchdown club before the season when Jimbo Fisher said, we're going to whoop Nick Saban's ass and Nick Saban said at golf. And, and he didn't, he didn't even know that A&M was going to be this awful. I mean, that was, right. that was Jimbo Fisher, like from the preseason ranked fifth Aggies saying this was the year that we beat Alabama. I mean, and, and by the way, the, the, the track record of Jimbo against uh, against Saban so far at A and M, in three games, 144 to 75. That's the, yeah. uh, the that's the, the combined score of those three games. So, it, it, this may be one of those where Nick Saban sees a sees something like and just grinds it into the dirt, like where he's got a chance to just really embarrass Jimbo. And I, I could see that happening. I know they're I, I think they're buddy buddy, but I don't I don't think Nick Saban feels bad for Jimbo at all. This one, yeah, this is going to be an ugly game. Look at what Alabama just did to arguably the, you know, the, offense, the best offense in the country with the most firepower and Ole Miss. And now you're playing an offense that scored 10 points against Colorado. So yeah. I don't care that it's at home. I don't care that it's at Kyle Field. I think Alabama, I think this is, I think this is going to be a really ugly game. Well, let's get into uh, let's get into the big games this week. Let's start with the uh, the Red River or the Red River rivalry. I still call it a shootout. I'm I'm pro shootout. Uh, Texas <laughs> plus three and a half against Oklahoma. What do you see here? This game is always close. I feel like for the past few years, the last time Texas won, I think they were they were like fourteen or seventeen point dogs. It was a it was a big number. This year, what stands out to me. And I'm, I'm going to go back to what we talked about last week with OU. OU is not capable this year, but they haven't proven it yet, that they can run away from people. They struggled at home with a West Virginia team that's proven to maybe have some problems. They couldn't do it against Kansas State, even though they always struggle on the road when they go to Manhattan. And this game is usually close. There's a handful of years historically that if, if one side is just completely outmatched, you see a blowout. But I think the number's about right here. I think this is a back and forth. If, if anything, if I was going to have a play in this game, I actually like the under in this game. I think Texas, exactly what you saw against TCU, I think it was 32 carries for Bijan Robinson in that game. They're going to ride Bijan Robinson in this game. Expect some shot plays. I, I think especially early in that game, expect some shot plays using Bijan as a decoy. But they're going to get him his touches. Again, I, I would not have a play in this game because I think the line is about right. If you made me, I would say Texas. I actually think Texas wins outright. But Texas struggled last week in the red zone. And if that I could see being, again, an issue where they're starting to trade field goals early in this game and OU pulls away late. So, again, I like the under, but, man, I, this line is – I don't love it. I think Texas does win this game. I kind of lean the same way. I, here's the question. Who's OU pulling away from? Like, they, they're not. 
Right. They're 0 and 4 against the spread, against FBS opponent. We're not, we're not going to count them drubbing West Carolina or Western Carolina, whatever it is. This is a team that is clearly a disappointment. A week ago, there were fans chanting for Spencer Rattler's backup to play. And I think things are a little calmer after the Kansas State win, but it's not like they were great against Kansas State either. Oh, 0 4 against the spread failing to cover by an average of 15 and a half points per game. That That's far from exceeding expectations. And I'll, I'll, I'll add one other thing. Last week, that win for people that maybe don't understand Texas and TCU, that win for UT is massive because TCU has had their number for a decade, especially on the road and to win even though it was close, even though it was a little bit ugly, they had those. There were a couple of turnovers early in that game where Texas really could have put that game away in the first half, and they didn't do it. They played with their food in the first half. They let TCU hang around. They closed out the game, though. I think that win means more to that program than people realize. And OU, you could see it when you watch them. There's doubt. They are not completely bought in to their team and what they have going on. This is not – the teams when they had Baker and they had Kyler, man, they were they were rocking. That team that went into the horseshoe and beat Ohio State with Baker, they had so much confidence. This team does not have that. This is not the same version of Oklahoma. And I think momentum going into rivalry games is extremely important, especially in college football of all sports. That's one other thing that I, I if, if you're going to tip the scales with anything, I think it is really important that Texas got that win over TCU. Texas, like Oklahoma is good defending the run, which is probably the one thing that gives me pause. They are, they're one of the, one of the best in the country defending the run, uh, 2.9 yards per carry to their opponents. So that's that. So there's going to be strength for strength here. Here's, here's the thing though. Texas is averaging 5.9 yards a carry since they switched the quarterback 7.2 yards per carry. So they are, they are running very, very efficiently right now. And it feels like Oklahoma's just been it, 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 like they're, be, they're begging to lose a game. It, it feels like every game it's like, oh, are they going to lose to Tulane? Is that what I'm seeing? Like, that's how it feels. It feels like they're just on the brink of, of collapse. And Texas just has this momentum surging. I, I I certainly lean to the team that's that's riding high right now because this Oklahoma team does not feel like they're anything special. It just feels like they don't have any juice. Yeah. Only other thing I would add in this game that you see, you usually see this become an even bigger pain in your side if it's something you're struggling with. Oklahoma is, I think they're 80th in the country the last time I saw. is 80th or 81st in the country. Most penalized team in the country. They give up a little over 60 yards in penalty yardage a game, and it's the dumb ones. They've got procedure penalties. They're, they have penalties where they're not getting lined up right. It's the sloppy ones that those are the things in a big rivalry game that you tend to see stand out. And that's something I came across that in my notes and thought, man, anytime I remember playing in big games and years that we were, I, I felt like maybe more undisciplined, and that stands out in rivalry games. That's one of the reasons Michigan, that's a huge reason outside of just being beat by better players for Ohio State. Penalty yardage for Michigan, that's another reason why they've struggled in that rivalry. That's something else just to, to watch for in this game between Texas and OU. 
All right, let's jump to a game that we've already hit on a little bit. Penn State catching two points at Iowa. I went back and watched the first half of really that second quarter of Maryland and Iowa. Iowa's got 12 interceptions in the first five games of the year. I know that's not sustainable, but that's that's unbelievable. That just doesn't happen. They're secondary. Played seven in one game. Seven in one game, but they 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 turn people over, and I don't trust Penn State on offense. The only I'm I'm going Iowa in this game. We want Iowa to win outright, and the reason I'm doing it is because you have two offenses that I don't think are all are, are very good. I talked I talked a minute ago about Iowa struggling throwing the football. They average less than 200 yards passing a game, but out of these four units between each team's offense and defense, there is one that to me is a clear outlier and it's Iowa's defense. They are at home. And I think again, they know what's in the back half of their schedule. This game is so, so important to them. Kirk Ferentz, 23rd year at Iowa, longest tenured head coach. He knows he's been doing this a long time. If there was ever a team that he's got that has a chance to really make a run, it's this one. I think Iowa wins this outright. I'm going to go the other side. I've, I've stuck my flag in the ground that I just think Iowa's not that good. That, that offense, there's no explosiveness to the offense. There's none. There's not. And you just, it, it doesn't last forever. You know, like this isn't Georgia-level dominant defense where, you know, you can just roll your helmet out because you know you're going to give up zero points. Like, they're relying on turnovers and that's teams, you know, shooting themselves in the foot. And you said you don't trust Penn State's offense. And listen, they're not great. They've, they've got more playmakers than Iowa by, by a, a mile, but they rank top five in turnover margin too. So they, they protect the football. And I, I trust Clifford more than Petrus to make big plays. I think Penn State makes it difficult to run the ball. Penn State, when you talk about like the great defenses, I mean, obviously, Georgia, Iowa, Penn State's not far behind those guys. They're, they're right up there. Uh, I, I think that this is a really low-scoring game. Shocker. Uh, 41 and a half is a terrifying number for a college football game, but I lean to the under because I, I just don't think Iowa can do anything explosive. So, I, I mean, if I, if I were to play this game, and I don't know that I will unless I saw a three – but if I were going to play it, I, I think I would just play the I'd play plus one ten and just take the money line on on Penn State. I, I just don't know where Iowa's scoring comes from unless Baby Two is out there throwing seven picks in a game, it, which it's it's I, Penn State's not going to let that happen. They're they're too well coached and they they protect the ball too well. So we, we've got some disagreement on that one certainly. Let's look at this Georgia Auburn game that is. To me, this game should be really fun. It's hard to imagine that it will be. And based on what we saw Georgia do, I like. I think Auburn's actually pretty good. You know, the, the you know they win against LSU. That's a nice win. They they hung with Penn State. I think they're a good team. I just think that there, there's levels to it. And right now, Georgia is on a completely different level. I'm going to give you some some Georgia defense numbers that see if any of these blow your mind. First <laughs> of all, the defense has given up one touchdown, one. Yep, that's it. That was a fourth quarter touchdown against South Carolina when Georgia was up forty to six. That's it. 
The other touchdown they gave up was a pick six against UAB. So one offensive touchdown opponents have scored. How about this? 180 yards per game. That's what they're allowing. The next best defense in that stat is Iowa State. They give up 43 more yards per game. On 150 dropbacks, Georgia has sacked the quarterback 18 times. They've allowed 16 completions of 10 or more yards. So they're, they're getting sacks more than their, than their opponents are throwing 10 yards down the field and completing the ball. They give up 0.26 points per drive. So every time the opponent gets the ball, they're averaging 0.26 points. They get three and outs on more than half of their defensive possessions. And they give up one point per 39 yards. So the, every time a team goes 39 yards on them, they get one point. It's There's no way to compete with this team. And listen, Auburn's seen good defense. They saw Penn State's defense, and they hung with them. They could have won that game uh, if they didn't throw a, a bonehead fade in the end zone to, with their last chance effort. Then maybe they do win that game. But Georgia's offense is a lot different than Penn State's. Georgia is putting up 41 points a game, seventh most in the country. So you got the best defense in the country by a mile, and you're seventh in scoring. And that includes a game they only scored 10 against Clemson. They're still seventh in scoring. They are getting better and better as the season goes on. I, I, I mean, I certainly would have loved to get it before it was on the wrong side of 14. I didn't have a chance to, but at 14 and a half, that's where it's just kind of camping right now. I would, I would still, I, I think I have to take Georgia here. I, I don't know how, I mean, hell, it took Auburn had to come back from 14 down to beat LSU. You know, this is not, I mean, they're, they're good, but they're not explosive. I, I think all the, the, the fun Johnny Manziel looking stuff that Bo Nix got away with last season. I think he gets buried 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage. If he tries that this week, I, I just, it's hard for me to imagine where their points come from, which by the way, if you if your book has it up yet, team total under 15 and a half for Auburn, that, that's where I'll plant my flag. And and I think, you know, it, Georgia's uh, team total is 30. I think they get there pretty easy. So I, I think Georgia beats this team by probably three touchdowns. I'm the dope that said, take Ole Miss and take Arkansas in the points. I tried to warn you of this. And bro. I learned my lesson. And I'm not doing it again. Georgia minus 14 and a half. I'll take it all day for all the reasons you just laid out. And you stole my thunder. The number one reason that I think Georgia runs away with this, Bo Nix is going to give them the football a couple times in this game. He had maybe his best game of his career last week against LSU. He had a couple plays in that game that were unbelievable. His touchdown in the left corner of the end zone, he makes the end. He runs from both sides of the field, makes the whole LSU defense miss. That's an all-world play. I mean, that was unbelievable. But you said it. George is not going to give that up. And he's going to try that a couple times. Going to get picked off or he's going to fumble. He's going to give the ball away like he usually does in moments like this. And that's all Georgia needs. And they're going to slam the door and that'll be it. And so I'm, I'm with you for all the reasons you just laid out. Georgia and Alabama, to me, get the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. There may be some lines that are just so big that for Alabama I won't touch because maybe there's a backdoor cover, but they get the benefit of the doubt 
until they screw something up because they just are too dominant, especially Georgia up front. Their front seven, I don't know anybody in the country that's going to be able to run on them. All right, well, let's get into them. Let's get into our favorite plays this week. You, what's your uh, what's your three-star play, my man? I'm going to go well, – This is a, I'm going against a coach that we didn't touch on because he doesn't quite make the uh, – make the cut or you know make headlines but i think butch davis at fiu is about out he is about out i think he's if there's a i think he may have the most hot seat in the country the the problem is it's fiu and you know it's conference usa there aren't a lot of eyeballs on them but they are that's a bad football team i mean i i watched some of the tape for one of the games that i was doing the they lost to texas state at home in an overtime and that texas state team is terrible I like Davis once won a sugar bowl. Like, I mean, that's wild. Like this guy, he was on top of the world at one point. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable to me. And now he's about to get fired from FIU. Yep. And, And they are, I mean, they are really FIU is one of the worst teams in college football. So all that said, I like Charlotte. They're going on the road. I like them. They have they got a win over Duke earlier this year. I'll take Charlotte minus four and a half. I don't think they lose this game to FIU. Current line three and a half. So you get a little you get a little more value even. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that. FIU is a total mess right now. I'm not sure why money's pushing in on them. Like it, it's a Friday game. There's going to be a lot of just uh, there's going to be more handle on a game like that than normal because it's a, a standalone day game. But uh, yeah, I I, I don't know what there is positive to say about FIU right now. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, for my three-star play, I'm, I'm going to go with SMU. We talked about them earlier, and, and they're, they're pretty legit. I, I think we're getting a short line here for a couple reasons. They're, they're minus 13 and a half right now. SMU is likely down their top two running backs, and that sucks. That's, that's not ideal. But I can't imagine that the point, like, it, it, here's the secret about SMU. They're not running the ball very much. They're, they're looking to go downfield constantly. And it, Navy has given it up to quarterbacks who are viable. Air Force didn't throw. And then this week, Central Florida's backup was bad. And they let Navy come back from 17 down, which is the other factor. I think Navy coming off a win uh, over a team that they had no business beating. Uh, I, I think that that probably shortens it some too. When they played Houston, Clayton Toon and Marshall Grant Wells, ten yards per completion is what those two guys averaged. I mean, they just had their way against this defense. SMU's got the third graded pass offense per PFF. Tanner Mordecai, twenty-four touchdowns. That leads the nation. The next clo- the next closest quarterback in the country has nineteen. So uh, they are they are chucking it around. SMU should jump out early, and despite what you saw against that dead in the water Central Florida team, I don't think Navy's built to play from behind against a team that's shown that they'll keep chucking it, uh, no, no matter what their lead is. So I like SMU minus thirteen and a half against Navy. I like that play. I want the record to show, by the way, that because I I, I set that number for Charlotte this morning. And it's already changed to minus three. So I'm yeah. locking it in at minus three, even though I said it was four and a half. So I want the record to show I got them at minus three. Uh, three and two, a half. Three and a half is what you got. Three and a half. I'll take yep. that. Uh, two star for me. This is a team I touched on a minute ago. I USC's got their problems, but they manhandled USC. And they just got a good win 
at home against the Washington team that I think is actually playing a little better. They had their their struggles early in the season, obviously, but I think they're playing better. I really don't think Oregon State is a bad football team. They're and they're good. going on the road to Washington State. Who That's another team that I think their head coach is on the hot seat, but for reasons a lot of them are just have nothing to do with football, which is a shame. I'll take Oregon State minus two on the road at Wazoo. Well, for, for people who, who don't know, the, the head coach at Washington State, who's the, the highest paid public employee in the state of Washington, is refusing to get vaccinated in a state where, it, let's, let's just say it's very blue up there, even though Washington State's not in a part of the, country, a part of the state that is, is particularly liberal, the, the, the state is not happy with him. And, and yeah, if he were getting great results, I think it might be a different story. It ain't looking good for him right now. I'm with you, uh, and I I agree with you. Oregon State, I, I it it's taken me a while to come around on them because I did not have high expectations for them coming into the season. And they had their their open. They lost to Purdue in Week One, which yeah. is not a good loss. I don't think Purdue is a very good football team, but it's your your opener of the season. Look around college football. There's some openers that look goofy. There's no preseason in college football, but after that really not a bad schedule from there on out. They beat uh, beat Hawaii by a few scores or just beat Fresno State. And again, on the road at USC and at home against Washington. I think this, I think they've got a chance to, they've, their last two, just to put this way out there, their last two, they host Arizona State and go on the road at Oregon. Do not be surprised if Oregon State plays spoiler late in the year. I actually don't think it's a bad football team. I'm with you on that pick. That's uh, Oregon State minus three and a half. My two star will be Arkansas plus six. Uh, I see value in this number. I have these two teams, Arkansas and Ole Miss, rated about a point apart. And who looked worse last week? I mean, it was Arkansas. They, they put up a zero. Um, Alabama, though, they showed you something that – you can basically run the ball at will against Ole Miss. Uh, they are the 89th best tackling team for PFF. And that's going to be a welcome sign to Arkansas, who could get nothing going in the run. And that's how they win. That's what Arkansas is right now. Uh, and despite getting throttled by Georgia, Arkansas still top 10 in scoring defense. This is a pretty good defense. And that Ole Miss-Bama uh, final of 42-21 – that's a misleading final. That was not a close game. That was a 35-0 game halfway through the third quarter. And Ole Miss finally started to do something when the game was out of reach. And it's a 42-21 game. And besides that Bama game, we haven't seen Ole Miss play anyone of note. I mean, they, they haven't done it against anybody. So, and then the one time they got on the field with good competition, they got their doors blown off. Arkansas has already had games against Texas, already had games against Texas A&M. I, like I said, I've got these two teams very close. So six points is just too much value to me. I, I can't come up with, with five points of home field advantage for Ole Miss. So I'm just going to take six with Arkansas. I, I would have loved to get a seven. I don't see it coming. Uh, but I, I like Arkansas plus six. What do you think about that game? That's another one that I can't figure out. Okay, I'll say this. Ole Miss – at home is a completely different you, – you actually mentioned this with yeah. Matt Corral's stats at home versus on the road. That's what scares me is Matt Corral at home is just a completely different quarterback. And we'll see 
if anything, I would take Ole Miss in that game um, because they're at home. Okay. What's your uh, what's your one star this week? Well, I'm going to ask you because both times I've given out a number, it's compl- it's changed since I looked at it. How, what can you get me for Notre Dame, Virginia Tech right now? You got a number in front of you for that? Uh, I can have one quickly. I've got a, a board up right here in my office. Lucky me. Uh, how about how about pick? All right. I think how that that goes in the opposite direction of what I wanted. I think Virginia Tech wins this game. I'm fading. I'm fading Notre Dame. I'm fading the Fighting Irish. I I understand Virginia Tech is not a very good offensive football team. You I believed in this Notre Dame team. What, what, I know, and I got burned just the same way I got burned by the Rebels and Arkansas. So I'm I, I'm the spiteful ex. I'm going against every one of these teams that I took last week. I think Virginia Tech wins this game, and it's primarily because. Again, I'm just fading the Irish. I don't think they scored in this game. That is a tough place to play. Anytime you got to go to Virginia Tech, that's one of the toughest environments to play in in college football. And go back and look. Notre Dame's, they, I mean, they've struggled against Toledo. They struggled against Florida State. And they got manhandled. That was the biggest thing that stood out to me against, their, against Cincinnati and their loss is Cincinnati won in the trenches. Cincinnati, a group of five school, pushed around the offensive and defensive line for the Irish. Now they got to go on the road to Virginia Tech, a team that I, I – it's not a bad football team. Obviously had the big win early in the season against North Carolina, played pretty tough against West Virginia on the road. I think they win that game outright. It's going to be close. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be low scoring. But I think Virginia Tech wins that game close. Yeah, I, I'm not sure on this one. Uh, I, I'd love to – I'd love to fade Notre Dame here. Um it, it, there's there's a lot of Notre Dame minus ones out there. So I, I don't know. If that, I mean, if you like them outright, then a plus one is probably not going to do any good. So I, I, I don't know what, the, what we'll call the consensus for the board. McKenzie's telling me that Notre Dame minus one is the most common number. So give me Vatek plus one. Vatek plus one it'll be. I, this Vatek team is I, – I, here's what I'll say good for them. I thought that their coach was going to maybe be on the hot seat coming into the season. And they've, I guess they've overperformed. I still think back to the UNC win. And I, like at the time it felt like that was a really good win. And then they lost at West Virginia. And then they, they played a, an FCS team this week or last week. And, and they beat Richmond 21 to 10. Um, and it really was like a punt return is what, what got them into that game. So I'm not, I'm not uh, I'm not crazy, but they are coming off a bye. I, I guess that's good. I will say this: I, Notre Dame may be better without Jack Cohn. Like they, they may that injury may be the best thing that happened in Notre Dame. That's the other thing that scares me in this game is that if Cohn doesn't play, maybe Notre Dame figures something out. That's a good point. <laughs> I need him to play. Um, <laughs> I, again, this is a, this is more to do with the Irish than it is Virginia Tech. I am I am. This is literally betting on the fact that Notre Dame is not going to figure it out on the road. They've struggled at home against a couple teams that I thought they really should have put away early in the game. So we'll see. I, again, I think this is an ugly football game. Everything that Virginia Tech this year that has been close, even against Richmond, it was a fairly close game. Yeah, Virginia Tech's schedule is so crazy. Six of their first seven games are at home. And then four of their last five are on the road. 
What, uh, what a disaster of a schedule. Yeah, that's a terrible schedule. I mean, I guess it's it, well, and their their one loss came on the road. I, I guess it works while you've got it, and then you just deal with the results later. But right, yeah. Uh, my one star play. I thought about using uh, Alabama. I, I I told you guys my thoughts on that. I, I think there's value in Bama. I, I, I think there's. Uh, I, I think that they'll they'll have their way against Texas A and M. Uh, I played that number early uh, at, at Circa when they opened. That was my first time getting down to Circa and getting on the the college football opens. And it got it at 16 and a half. I still like it at 17 and a half. I like it probably to 20. Um, I, I think that Alabama just houses that team. But I'll go with Wake Forest minus six. And I was surprised to see my, and there's some five and a halfs out there. I'll, I'll say six because I feel like that's kind of the, the, the more available number. I don't know where this money's coming in from on, on Syracuse, pushed it down below seven. But this is my biggest disparity in power ratings. I've, I've, I've got a 12-point difference in power ratings here. Wake doesn't have any real standouts on offense, but they've been very balanced. They protect the football. They've been efficient. I, I like what I've seen so far from them. I, like Pitt is out there putting up crazy numbers, and it's like, wow, Pitt, maybe, maybe they're the team to beat in the ACC. But Wake has been very good, and they, they, they haven't lost yet. Meanwhile, Syracuse dropped to 0-2 against Power 5 teams after they lost to Florida State, which we know that's a bad loss. They previously lost to Rutgers by 10. I don't think that's a real good loss. The Liberty win is solid, but it just feels like I, – I mentioned it earlier when we were talking about Dino Babers. It feels like the program's on the brink of collapse. Like, it, all, all your best players are transferring out. Taj Harris, who I mentioned earlier, is out of here. The best offensive player they had. Um I, I think that Wake may they may be sniffing out the opportunity to compete for an ACC title this year with Clemson and North Carolina both way down. I, I think that they they're playing motivated football right now. They rank in the top twenty in tackling for PFF, which is key against a Syracuse team that is like sixty two percent run this season. All they're going to do is run the ball because they can't throw the ball. They can't, and but they couldn't before, and now their best receivers out. So I, I'm going to go Wake Forest minus six for my one-star play. I, I'm, I'm going to fade the money that's coming in on Syracuse and, uh, and, and go with the Deacons here. I like that purely. You're, you're fading the bad team and going in a direction. I like the word balanced because Wake Forest, you're right. There's nothing sexy about Wake Forest, but they do the little things well. And you have the opposite going on with Syracuse right now. We talked about the guys that are leaving the program in the direction they're going, those are the teams that you see, especially at this point in the season, right around the middle port, middle part of the season, start to tank, and then you get the blowouts at home. I, I like that pick for all the all the reasons you laid out. I think you're starting to see, it, like Dave Clawson, who I, I, I didn't, you know, I, Dave Clawson is, I think he's a fine coach, but given what he's got to work with, I think he's he's doing a fantastic job so when you compare what he's doing to what we just talked about with Dino Babers, it's like, wow. I mean, he's been, since he's been at Wake Forest, he's a 500 coach, which you might, that might not sound great until you look at the history of Wake Forest football. And then suddenly like being a 500 coach at Wake Forest, it ain't bad. And they're off to a great start. They're almost bowl eligible already. Uh, I, I think they're excited. I, I think they they're they're playing hard right now. So I'm I'm going to go with them. I, I I like the way they're looking. And I just like I said, I hate the way Syracuse looks right now. All right, let's wrap it up. What's your uh, what's your favorite total of the week? 
Okay, I locked this in early. So you tell me if I can keep this or if I got to use this, what, the number it's at today. I saw OU, and I touched on this earlier, Red River rivalry, I, I saw it 64 and a half, but now it's 63 and a half. I'll take either one of them. So whichever one you want to give me doesn't bother me. I Like I said earlier, I think this is a, for the, especially the first part of this game, ground and pound on offense from Texas, even though I know OU has a – their run defense is their strength on that side of the ball. And, again, OU has not proven that they're going to be able to pull away from anybody. I think this is a back and forth. Low scoring is not the right phrase, but I don't – I like the under in this game. 63 and a half is what we got you here. All right, we'll take that. And I don't hate it. And this, There's been – this – this rivalry in general, there's like extremes. Some some years it'll be 10-7, and then last year it was like there was 100-something points where there's four overtimes. Uh, so it, it goes back and forth. But the way these teams are built right now, the way Texas wants to run, and the way OU's offense is not nearly as explosive as it's been in the past few years, I, I, I don't hate that play. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. I'll go with Western Kentucky UTSA over 68-and-a-half, and – if you know, let me see. Actually, let me pull up the current number. I put it in today. I got to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm checking you. You love the sure Hilltoppers. I love their offense. <laughs> uh, let's uh, well, I'll go with 69. How about that? It looks like it's nice. going up a little bit. <laughs> um, I'm in love with this WKU offense. They, they brought in Zach Kittle from Houston Baptist to be the OC. He brought Bailey Zapp and his top three receivers Zap has the third highest completion percentage amongst quarterbacks with at least 100 attempts, 72.4%. Do you, what was your completion percentage in college, Taylor? Not that. Not 72. It had a five. It had a five in front of it. <laughs> He's averaging 9.2 yards per attempt, 16 to two touchdowns to interception. Now, one of my, I told you I was 11 and four. One of my losses was Western Kentucky plus 11 against Michigan State. And they had a chance to get there at the end, came up short on a fourth down. But of note is they scored 10 more points against Michigan State than anyone has so far. And they're averaging 39 points a game. Their games are 4-0 to the over, including a game against UT Martin where they scored enough to go over the total by themselves. Uh, and helping me on the other side, UTSA's third in tempo. Uh, they're, they're Western Kentucky's 40th, so these guys are putting up a bunch of 89 plays per game. Uh, UTSA's defense has been strong, but Army and Michigan are strong defenses too. And uh, they, those two those two schools average they allow twenty one and a half points per game. Western Kentucky put up thirty three in those two games, both on the road. So I, I I didn't get why this opened at seventy and got pushed down to sixty seven. I don't know where that came from. Uh, I got it at sixty seven and a half personally. I'll play it on the show here at 69. I don't get why the money pushed it down. I do understand why it's pushing back up, though. Western Kentucky, UTSA, over 68 and a half, or over 69, part 69. My my uh, favorite total of the week. So, I think, there you have it. I think the Hilltoppers could win that game. That's I think a, they that could is an upset alert for the Roadrunners, although that, I, that is going to be a good game, I think. It, I it, agree. And it doesn't sound like it. I mean, it's UTSA and, and – but UTSA is uh, – they're in the conversation right now. Of UTSA, those. for most polls that I saw for, you know, going beyond the top 25, they're 27, 28. I mean, that's a good football yeah. team. Yep, they're not bad, man. Well coached. It's it, it'll, That'll be a fun game. 
All right, Taylor. Uh, hope we hope, hope we keep pulling in winners. That's the goal on this thing. Hope you're uh, hope you guys are making some money with this. Hope you're having fun. And uh, Taylor, appreciate you taking the time with us. I know we got recording a little bit late today, but uh, looking forward to to next week, my man. And, and looking forward to Saturday. And hopefully, we'll be we'll be bragging about some winners next week. I need some winners. All right, <laughs> we'll do it again next week. All right, man. Talk to you then. See ya.